I can't believe Kim is here. The last time I saw Kim, we were on a set for Feinskriff, one of South Africa's most popular series for the Afrikaans channel, CakeNet. Kim has done a lot of work in the film industry. I remember when you decided that you're going to start writing. Mm -hmm. I was there when you were in love. Mm. Out of love, not on purpose, but because of circumstance. I was there when I was there when you had your first job. You were there from the very start, friend. Broadway Dance Academy. <laughs> In walks Ilana. And Kim is at reception. Yes. I remember your skinny legs because you were running across the floor. Mm. And I remember it was the first time as a 21-year-old at the time that I saw someone in pants other than jeans. Right. Because I'm from a small town and where we were from, like, we didn't roll like that, you know. Mm. You were trendy. I was like, wow, I can look like that. That's, <laughs> that's honest. Yeah, that's really? honestly what I thought in the moment. You know what else I thought? Mm. When I saw you that first time, I remember how friendly you were. You were really, 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 really friendly. Mm. And I, a part of me thought I could be friends with her, you know. Mm. Yeah. How are you, Kim? <sighs> My friend since then, um, your life has been full. But right now... I am, I'm so good. I really am. And I know people say these things all the time. Oh, I'm okay. I'm good. I really am good. It's been a journey to get here. So I don't say it flippantly. Um, Mommy, leave us full, Lana. Can you make me cry? Oh, my word. <laughs> my life is full. And it, it, it doesn't come, it comes with hard work, you yeah. know. You don't just land up in a place where you say that. It comes with really hard work and excavating, excavating um, parts of your being that is not always comfortable, but it has to be done. So I'm good. <laughs> I started conversations with women I want to introduce my daughters to. I've got two incredible babies. Yeah. Um, and when I see you, I'm reminded of my past and how both of us have grown mm. through boardrooms and besties and and entertainment. Kim has an extensive CV. She has been on stage. She has done every major television show as a TV host. She's been on radio, headhunted to, to, to many shows. Um, have you been in this building before? I have, yeah. No, no, not, not the new not one. Not the new I've one. I've been to the old to one. To the old one. Yes. At the time when you started your television career, you didn't have formal training. No, no, I didn't. Um, the word is autodidactic. I like, I like just throwing it out there. I saw it in your CV and I couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> I was like, auto, 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 and then I left it out. <laughs> I'm so deliberate with it. <laughs> but um, no, I didn't. I, I came up to Joburg to, to finish my third year accounting at WITS. And, um, you know, as the stars aligned and as life happened, I was... Because my late partner was was an actor, you know Randall, you knew Randall, um, and when I so I, I I started presenting about three three months into being in Joburg while I was uh, managing Broadway dance, and when the call came to audition for the Chris Foster Plekvani um, Fleisfreiters, I immediately said no. Because I knew Chris wrote the parts for specific actors, and I knew the part they wanted me to audition for was written for a 
a, a very specific actress whom I knew. So I said no. You declined your opportunity? I, no, because I never thought that I would become an actress. It was never on the cards for me. I wanted to become a forensic accountant. <laughs> of course. I mean, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. Yeah. But so after three calls from um, Elise, from Thespians and Marius... Um, they said, please just go, just go. What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, I was living with Ivan and Vinette, who are both actors. I remember this. So I see what these people do. I know the hard work. And I'm like, it's asking me to walk into a surgery and go, oh, I think you'll be great at cutting. <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's how much I'd res- be great at <laughs> <laughs> But that's how much respect I hold for the craft. And I, I went for the audition with Gerrit Skoenwiffen. Ugh. The late Gerrit Skoenwiffen, what a legend, at a house in Linden. And I went, I just did my own interpretation of what I felt was was true. Um, and I got the part. <laughs> and even when I got the part, I, I was still not convinced. But my story, just to give you an idea, so my storyline was... Um, I live on a farm with my mom and three brothers. My mom runs the farm. I don't know who my dad is. Um, the, the person I played opposite was actually written for Randall. Um, and also held at gunpoint, but I save his life in the story. Um, he's a drug dealer. I leave him. I have an affair with one of the brothers on the farm. I fall pregnant. I find out he is my biological father. I go for an abortion, and then I try to commit suicide in a dam, and Heike Berg comes to save me <laughs> in the middle of August in Krugersdorp. <laughs> and that's when I realized I'm a storyteller. Then I was, okay. Done. Yeah, I was channeling other other pieces of myself and I was like, okay, I I get it. I get it now. What did people say at the time when <laughs> when when you get the role? Like the girl from Bontival who is in Joburg trying to finish her accounting is sitting around another role that will make her famous. People, you, people. You're going to forget us, right? Oh, oh, in terms of my family and where yeah, I like, come from. Like, surely. seen my wortels is by a dip, Lana. I am nothing with, with, without. without my background. It is what sculpted me. It, wow. is, it is what makes me rich. I am nothing without it. Um, and so, for me, it was always... <laughs> I have... I. I am so honored to say that I come from Bontierville and the stock I come from and the people I grew up and the neighbors who helped rear me, you know. I think few people experience that these days, mm. but my childhood was, Amal is Amal of Elke Kint is Amal um, and one of the things for me is I, I carry, I carry my, my background with such pride and I go home and then I am just Kimi again. As Auntie Stella and Auntie Zita and Mrs. Donaldson and Ek moet gaan groet. You mm, can't just come into no. the road and not go and greet the elders, you know. And then the young little kiddies who come. And, and so my mom is still very much fussing in the gemeenskap. But for the large, large part of it, because the bulk of my first or my first few years in the industry was DSTV, CakeNet, MNet, um, BBC 
So it was about maybe, I, I think I'd been working for solidly, solidly for eight years. You know how we hustled. Mm. We did everything. everything we did yeah. everything. And uh, my first job on um, terrestrial, on, on SABC, was Isi Dingo. So this is now my first. Kijk, in my family, it must not need DSTV. So I get my first gig on SABC. It only took eight years for them to yeah. notice that she's, she's on my television, right? My mom was like, Jenny? Die kind het weer gekry, ja nie, nie as het, ek weet, as het baie lang gevat, ach ja, nie, nie, prijsie heren, die kind het weer gekry. <laughs> like, you work your ass off for eight years, yes. and then the minute you grow, get a stint on, wat het hulle dit is, dat is genoem Charity TV, the minute you get a stint on, like, something are blessed that everyone can watch. Yeah. And my family, they were so proud, but not just because I was on TV, but I, that I actually found a job. A I job. got a job. It's like me. I, I mean, I, I probably worked in TV for, for something like 15 years until I started Espresso, right? And people would walk in the street and go, Espresso! <laughs> and now, and now yeah. that I'm somewhere else mm-hmm. working, they go, what happened but to, to you, you know? Yeah. What are, and you're I like, shame, <laughs> say okay. Huh? So it's not even TV. And I'm coming. Oh, I, I have my hands full. Trust me, I'm okay. I'm, and to you, my sorry TV, say, yeah, but now, now you're without assurance. Yeah. yeah. So, so, hey, you did that too. Hey, yes. I know. I was the outsurance girl for four years. I, and I, you did the World Cup. What was the... the I did the, the Supersport World Cup campaign. So they had a whole ad campaign um, during 2010. and But I was also presenting on Supersport oh at the time. Those were those... It was the coldest winter we had seen in decades. And it was those four o'clock mornings. Mm. You know Supersport. It's live. Yeah, from, you start early. What tough. what what shaped you then? I mean, like like if if I look at your CV, I'm not even saying this to just show me. I I'm proud of you, hey. When I see you, I want to cry, and I just I thank God for your life, really I do, because I've seen us, I've seen us poor and happy and in love and out of love and mentally not cool. Yeah. And when I see you, I see grace and mercy, hey. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, if if a young woman had to listen to this podcast and hear us laugh and brag and own our success, right, about some of the stuff that we've done over twenty one years of <clears throat> television and and ads and just anything that we can lay our hands on, to sometimes oh, it's passion, oh, you know, mm. and other times it's like I need to pay my rent, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they're listening to this, what really shapes us? What really shapes us so that in our forties we can go, oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Um, sure. What shapes you? Like I've got this thing. I've got this thing that I believe. Right in every decade, there's something that happens to most of us. Like I remember in our thirties, how we've all adapted religion. All of us, we started praying. You know, I, I started becoming interested in Judaism, and and some of my friends started. I remember Luisu and Danny Kay. Like all of us started becoming very serious about God for a while. You know, mm. it was like this change. Mm. And and the minute you hit forty, you're like, ah, oh, legacy. You know, I'm I'm calmer. I I'm only gonna be friends with some people that 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 right. actually just feeds my soul. Actually, it's like this no nonsense approach of you know what you're wasting my time. Actually, yeah. So I think for me personally is. Um, is maintaining your sense of humanity through it all. 
Kindness, kindness, kindness. I cannot stress that enough. Will go far. It will take you far. Um, I think in terms of what shaped me personally is exactly that. My oma Khruiki Makali, born in 1904, raised me. Next to my opa Khruiki, Pa, Pa Freddy. He was a very militant man, but he taught me to read at the age of four. Um, and you know the values that they instilled in us. I, I only, I only started understanding the richness of it the older I became. In een van die grootste dinge is two two big things that I learned and I took away from from that line um, is discipline. From my opa Groeki, he was from the he was from the German side of the of the track. My oma Groeki was more van die kooi French kante, mm. and hers was more about your connectivity to earth and your connectivity to each other. And her side I grew up with that. And I think when I went out into the world, the thing that my biggest ally was men's is men's. And my oma Groeki for me to say, soort soek soort. Mm. Um, so people I treat equally. I, I do not see status. A men's is a men's. And I think more often than not, regardless of where you sit on the hierarchy, according to society, anyone appreciates being seen. And I can honestly say to you, it is, it is that thing, that fire. I don't necessarily even know if I'm that talented. I think people just like me. Do you know what I mean? I think you're very talented. But, <laughs> yeah. isn't, but isn't that part of what, what forms and shapes your talent? Like, like let's, say, let's say talent isn't enough, right? Mm. All my mentors and the people who I really like and value their opinions, they all talk about kindness. They all talk about how kindness will and, and how your talent will serve you. Yeah. And how the bad in your life, God forbid, if there is any bad, how it will become your blessing. You yeah. know, like that's that's what shapes me. So the thing with um, with talent, so talent is is a small percentage mm. of of the gig Mm-hmm. We call life, right? Or this career path, yeah. being a storyteller. Passion is great, but it's like throwing a glass against a wall. It's there and then it's gone. Wow. Right? So I think the biggest thing for me is, I always say to some younger actors, but I always say to younger actors, you can see the talent. It's there. It's raw. And then I say to them, you just need a little bit of life to happen to you now, and then you're going to be great. Mm. And so that, the unfilling funny lever. And so um, my best friend, Quinny, always says to me, I, Mikey, you don't leave a stone unturned, eh? You came here to get every lesson possible to man. Mm. And, and I have. And sometimes my art imitates my life or vice versa. But the stories I choose to tell or the stories that I end up telling more often than not, is very close to home. They are very close to home. And so it, 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 it does become a bit of a channeling of certain energies, but it, it also becomes a very cathartic experience for me. And the only objective for me in when I do my work is are you hitting truth? Mm. Is someone that has gone through this believing you? Full stop. That's it. It's not about the accolades. It's not about the applause. It's not about that for me. I want to know if if that rape victim watches the scene, whether she's going to believe it because she's been through it. Hmm. Yeah. So does that answer the question? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's 
I mean, we, we can't summarize your life in, in whatever, how long this conversation will be. Mm. I, I just think that all of us are going through some kind of miracle or mercy because seeing you and knowing what you've been through and what I've been through and what other people have been through, I feel so grateful. I really, really do. Mm. I feel like we, we, every day we have another chance, you know, every day we have a, have another chance. What, what, what would you still want to write about? And, and, sure. and other, and other than, anders as om met die karakter te kan vereenselvig, nee? Is there supposed to be a lesson? Is there supposed to be a lesson to every story that you write about or everything that happens to us? Is there always supposed to be a lesson? Like why why is this why is this happening to me? You know? I it's not so much the lesson and sure people can take from whatever it is I do as much as they want to. It's more the acknowledgement of something having happened. Just see it. Just see it. Just witness it. Just mm-hmm. witness it. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to make anything. Just witness what is happening here. It's the acknowledgement of it. And I think in terms of, sure, in terms of writing, um, I've, I, so I wrote the play for the castle in 20, 2014. I was commissioned and it was, oof, it was such an honor and it was such, it was, I think it was one of the most scariest journeys I've been on. And I had to, I had to write a play based on 500 years worth of history, just on that piece of land. So I sat with historians, I sat with linguists, and um, Lana, it took me three months to write this. And it was one of, I think it was one of the most spiritual things I have ever, ever done. Because the things that came through my pen was not me. I mean, I, I, I would read back and I'd go, I, I have no idea where this is coming from. And I remember I sat with the linguist Bradley von Sitter. So um, he's got his PhD in languages. Um, he's, a, he's a guy from Lavender Hill. He's lived with all the Khoisan tribes around the country, Botswana, Namibia. He's fluent. And, and I wrote the first monologue and I hadn't started any research yet. I woke up at three o'clock that morning. I was living in Musenberg. My evidence ancestors know what you're beginning because it's proper. It's proper going back into your lineage. And for for me, like for most of us in the Cape of Color, our lineage it's so mixed. Mm. So I get my Khoisan, I get my Malay, I get my Dutch, I get my French, I get my West African, I get alles in it. So I wanted to write a story that represented all. So I had to go speak to all of them. And I remember I wrote this piece called Makai. It was a piece on a Khoisan, a Khoisan young son. And I wrote the piece and there were words and phrases and terms that it just felt right. And I wrote and it was a three page monologue. Shame. <laughs> the poor Whoever has to, yeah. to do that. <laughs> he did it, though. Um, and I sat with Bradley. I said, listen, brother, this is kind of where I want to pitch this. I want to make this as personal as I can. I'm going to have history as the framework, but everything will be personal. So when I have Maria, Jan van Riebeek's wife, and Kratua, I want it to be a conversation between these two women. 
you know, with um, the the VOC, the Dutch guy who came to sell sweets and spices, yes. and then all of a sudden he's a so- soldier and he hasn't been home in five years. And what that journey was like for him, the Kosa mother whose two sons are fighting and battling each other and the agony she's going through. So it became very personal, and I sat with Bradley and I said, this is kind of where I want to pitch mm. it. And he read it, and he said to me, okay, um, what are your references? Va, 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 and he said, no, I, I get you. you are my reference, <laughs> and we haven't even started yet. And he goes, my sister, some of the names, some of the terminologies were 100% right. And then I realized, this is my story. So writing, I, I don't think there will ever be a time where there is enough of it. Mm-hmm. Stories will always need to be told. They always need to be told. And just acknowledge them. Yeah. Witness them, see yeah. them. Witness. Witnessing them. Who's Ooh. looking out for you? Who's looking out for me? Whoa. Sure. I get the rears van a mens. And my eleven. Oof! Whoa, 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 Alana! I have a giant. <sighs> who he? Who is teaching me about love? I thought I knew. Not really. I had ideas of it. This man is fierce in how he loves me, and it. He makes me. <sighs> he makes it feel like it's all been worthwhile. You know, there's nothing I would change about my story as hard as parts of it have been because it all led me to him, ultimately. He's the sum sum total of all the choices I've made. And what a beautiful place to land. Hi, us, Alice. So he's got me. I have been very fortunate in discerning who will be my tribe. So I have incredible people in my life that's walked long walks from childhood to when we met. Mm -hmm. You know, my tribe is my tribe, and I don't necessarily have to see or speak to them all the time. But I know if I need a button pressed, it's theirs. And you are one of them. You are one of those people. So my best friend, Quinny, she lives half across (laughs) the globe. Um, and I've had the privilege of having her back here from the States for five years. And I saw that. But it's, you know what, <clears throat> it's it's such a beautiful connection. Nothing can change it. Vuyelwa, you know, who's my sister. Gosh, how is she? Oh, she's amazing. She um, She's the only person I've ever lived with. Besides being in a relationship. Yes, Osblay Lekasam. So we call each other housemate. We always mm. have. So I have really incredible people. I have my brother up here now, my baby brother that I grew up with. He's my, yo, he's my kin. Daikun um, for me, and he knows what's going on. So he lives around the corner from me now with his fiance, Crystal. So he's got two beautiful children. My mom is back in my life again after 17 years of estrangement. Um, so I get by a good answer. In my circle. How does one get a bit of that? Like if 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 I'm feeling alone, right? Mm. So imagine where you were when you were thirty two. Yeah. Okay. How how do we encourage that person to just hold on because it's coming? It's coming. Like your tribe is coming. I, 
I remember at the time it felt like you're alone, you know, like you're doing everything by yourself, like you, like you. Where's where's this husband that I was asking for, and where, and and I want to have kids, and I want to mm. do and it. There's a time where you almost wish that I want to be like Kimmy, and I want her life. I even want her sadness because really, mm, wow. And so, how how does one how does one get to a point where you feel but these they they all looking after me? I feel looked after. Yeah, our journeys are so different, but. Yo, it feels the same, eh? Yeah. I think um, for me personally, I, and I don't know how to quite explain this, but even as a young child, I had a knowing. It wasn't a dream. They weren't wishes. There was a knowing. And I remember I was lying on my mom's stoop in Bontierville, 23 Brambo Street, and it's close to the airport, and you'd see the airplanes fly across. I was maybe like 14. Now, considering that I started reading at four, so books really, books saved my life. Books put me on my course. Um, but also a course that I was destined to have. I, it doesn't matter how much I tried to resist it. It was so strong in me. I would always find my way onto it. And I remember lying on that stoopy and <laughs> I say to my mom, Mommy, Ian dag. Gaan ek in die aeroplanes in vlieg. Hmm. En my maas sê my, ach my kind. Jyka my droom, maar weet jy hoe dier is die goed? Ek sê van, mommy, watch me. I think I've probably had over 2,000 flights in my life. Like that's how much I've flown since, since I was 14. So, I, yeah. There's that thing that Khal- Khalil Gibran says. No one can reveal to you what already lies half asleep in the dawning of your knowledge. You already know what you need to know. It's just about becoming quiet and listening to it and trusting it. There's one thing about my story that I can say. I've always trusted that I was exactly where I needed to be, especially in the hard times. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a vieta. This is still Vieta. And it's amulated. Everyone has it. If we just stop, just go quiet for a little bit. Don't chase. Just stop stop the chase for a little bit. Just woosah yourself. And I believe that you have everything you have to do. And the biggest thing, the biggest misconception that people have is anything be- beyond what you require becomes a poison. And that's anything. That's fear, that's food, that's alcohol, that's activity. Anything beyond what you require becomes a poison. And so it's really just about knowing yourself. And the biggest thing about knowing yourself is it's very difficult, especially when your point of origin is trauma. The, the first thing that goes <laughs> out of oh, the window, the first thing that goes out of the window is your value, your yourself, the knowing of self, the repression of that, you know, because you try and align yourself to the needs of others, to appease, to please, to approve. So the first thing that the is your needs and your self-identity and your sense of self-worth. 
En so dit is die grootste ding wat ouwe mense met deel, people our age, where we start going, oh, yeah, there's some, there's, there's stuff that still needs to be dealt with. But am I worthy to actually go there? Yes, you are. 100%. It's your story. It's your Aina. If you want to talk about it, talk about it. If you want to write about it, write about it. It's yours. And you do with it what you please and what you will with. As long as you don't hurt people. You know? So, anyways. Yes, you also know, verschrikkelijk by a deep gegaan. Are you stopping the cameras, Mutaba? It takes only 30 minutes. So you're over 30 minutes, huh? I haven't done my nails. I said to someone today, my hands look like a 13-year-old boy's hands. Well, I plant and I paint and my cuticles is... What's the last thing you planted? The last thing I planted? So Wait, do you have um, cannabis? Do I have cannabis? Yes. Planted? Yes. No, not planted, but I have oil. Did you make it yourself? No, I bought it. Mm. But it's so healthy. It's I'm so allergic yearly. to it. Are you? I am. For reals? For reals. How do you know what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> What's the happiest moment of your life? It no, was... I haven't told you what I planted. Oh. I, so I have a herb garden. Of course. So I've just, I've just found a thing called pineapple mint. P you are so... Pineapple mint. Lana, so I just planted pineapple mint, so I have everything in there. I need there. to finish my sew now. You are so interesting. Pineapple mint. Pineapple mint. What do you use it for? In a, in water? No, in salad, in anything oh. really. Even like if you're roasting a lamb. Yeah. So I get what I take. I get dull, I get oregano, I get parsley. Then I get the mint, which takes over everything. Then, then, I, then I have dull. Daniel is coriander. Mm. I have coriander. <laughs> and I get timmy and I get basil. And then I've got beetroot and I've got rocket. How big is your garden? I have a very big garden. Do you know that everyone in the studio has a herb garden except me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then we I've need to herb, do. I've got a herb box. That's for fine. the kids. Yeah. That's but the okay. carrots. Oh, the carrots are very small. Is it? Mm. But it's fine. At least it's organic. I've got celery growing now. Look, it's not always successful, but at least I'm trying. So I love that. Yeah. Why do you plant? Um, I come from a family who believed yeah. in herbs and the medicinal medicinal value of, of plants. My oma Khreki, she had the massive herb garden. Um, also the hookah is hard. So I could literally walk through and it, people mm. would come. Makali, um, auntie Jija see her yalomboog. The mother goes, hand pluck that, go, go, da, 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 da. And then Mark say a little potion and a pochi. Yeah, and then she puts it in a thing and she goes, tell auntie Jija three keer dag and say met it to Mark. Did it work? Of course, man. Makali, medicine woman. So I think it comes from my. It, it comes from there. I I I'm starting to discover all these things the older I become, like my love for food and my love for cooking, um, plants. I think I have hundreds of plants just inside the house. It's amazing. It's yeah. It's 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 meditation for me, I guess. Mm. And it's lovely to see something grow. It's a wondrous thing. It is a wondrous thing. Yeah. Yeah. You were going to ask a question. I'm mesmerized. I'm hanging <laughs> on your lips. Oh, yet to admit, ma'am. 
it's lovely to see you. oh it's so you are you are like medicine you are you are medicinal you are thank you my friend yeah your energy is just so beautiful it's i'm so happy to see you i'm so happy to see you we need to share a plate of food soon. Can I eat all of it? Because I'm all so hungry as I'm saying. <laughs> 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 oh, um, before, we, before we end, because you have given so much of yourself. Yes. Um, you, you have to ask me something. And also, I want to know the one happiest moment of, of just that. Don't say life. Just your happiest moment. My happiest moment. Um... Sure. My oh yes, you know. Oh no, yeah. hell, echo. Oh. <laughs> ah, man. Sure. Oh, Kimmy. My happiest moment in my entire life was when I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I've never felt that kind of joy. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So, yeah, that was my happiest moment. I have many beautiful ones too, but that one by far trumps all of them. Mm. Sure. I love you very much. I love you too, my friend.